Hello and welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Villa returned to action on Boxing Day. Our heroes created loads of chances, but they just weren't clinical enough and it was Liverpool who delivered the knockout blow to win 3-1. Today I'm joined by a special guest, Toronto Lion, Holtcast regular and managing editor at Canadian Soccer Daily. It is Tom Nightingale. Good to have you back on, Tom. Uh, I see you're back home in Birmingham for Christmas. Cheers, Frankie. Yeah, always good to be, always good to come on. Um, yeah, back in Birmingham for Christmas. Second year in a row now, actually, after nice. a long COVID-enforced absence like so many people had. Yeah. Um, nice to be back. I mean, the grey and the damp and the, <laughs> the familiar. Um, yeah, got back to Villa, got back to Villa Park. Boxing Day, first time, my first time in four years. We were a mid-table championship side last time I was wow. there. Wow. Um, and yet, you know, some things never change. A lot yeah. of familiar, familiar sights and sounds, familiar grumblings. Just <laughs> great, great to be back amongst it, to be honest. Yeah. So, I mean, you were, um, you know, back on Boxing Day for, for the big game. I mean, to be honest, might as well get straight to that. I mean, how was it in the stadium? Uh, what was the vibe like and what did you make of the game? It was, yeah. I mean, it was really, it was really good to be back. Like, this is to to Villa Park regulars. This is probably going to sound a bit soft, but just the walk through, you know, alongside Aston Hall and the approach to the ground. I still maintain. I know we are obviously extremely biased, but it's got to be. I think with that backdrop of the church and Aston Hall, it's got to be one of the most beautiful approaches oh. to the ground, particularly if you're coming from, you know, coming up the whole end. Hundred um, percent. So I'd miss that, but you know, you, you sort of you go back and it's like you're trying, you know, you're sort of transported. It's like you never left, really. Um, yeah. And yeah, I thought the, you know, the, the atmosphere was good. It was really very, very nice to be back. Um, I said, do like last time was last time mid-table championship, so <laughs> yeah. the standard is considerably better, despite the despite the grumblings over certain certain players and certain. Uh, situations in the game the standard certainly a lot better than it was last time I was there so yeah. that was nice um and you know disappointing I mean obviously we'll get into the game but the result I mean I wasn't too disappointed in the result I, I you know I wasn't can't say I was expecting to win at all yeah. um and I think now the one sign of progress I guess really is that the disappointment comes from the fact that we created quite a few chances gave a decent account of ourselves and just couldn't couldn't finish because wasn't very long ago at all under a former manager who shall not be named that we were <laughs> couldn't create any you know couldn't really create anything could be it was yeah. it was um dour is the word i would use Horrendous. a few months ago and i mean i think you can see already um there's a lot to be positive about moving forward right i sort of can't wait for villa to get back into the thick of it and yeah. dive into a busy january now really yeah I, I i'm totally with you i mean it's very i don't know i think Kind of after after the game, I saw it's predictable, isn't it? You know, you look online and there's always going to be negativity. Um, that's just what Twitter and online world is. Um, but I, I don't know. I just saw someone. I thought, well, from my own perspective, I thought that Villa, yes, we were very vulnerable on the um, with balls over the top. And quite frankly, Liverpool probably should have could have scored about six or seven. But then Villa could have scored six or seven as well. It was just a very open game. And I think from from what I saw, I just I just thought that this is not a time to be negative at all. It definitely, there's already progress from the 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 manager who should not be named era. But I think Villa's issue yesterday was just that we didn't score early enough. I think that if we just got a goal, you know, made it one one, 
it changes the dynamic of the game then, doesn't it? Because we're not always chasing. And then eventually when they made it 2-0 in the second half, when we finally scored, Liverpool sort of were at a natural point where they could make substitutions. And that is always going to change the game again. And it kind of... Just the extra energy, new legs. And when you're chasing it against new legs like that, it can be it can be a challenge. So I just think that it was the lack of clinical finishing in the first half is what probably cost us. But was that your perspective in the stadium as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the biggest the biggest initial disappointment obviously was con- conceding so early. Because yeah. I'd love to know. I haven't seen surprised I haven't seen the stat actually, but I'd love to know how long the ball was actually in play. Before we conceded that opener because it felt like we played for about 90 seconds had a sort yeah. of snapshot i think that was a nice early tester from some i don't know if it was watkins, watkins i think bit, yeah bit of a snapshot and then of course they went down the other end we had that had that scare in front of goal and then mings was down for a while and then after he's after mings been down for three or four minutes you're just thinking just con just keep your concentration you know like yeah. we Looked like we were starting all right. Crowd was kind of fired up first game in seven weeks or whatever it is. And now you've had that annoying long early delay to mm. keep your focus. Like just do not concede from this corner. Get the first ball away and then second ball back in. I mean, I'm not going to... It's hard to blame it on... It is hard to blame it on switching off or lack of yeah. concentration. Because like that pass from Alexander-Arnold to, yeah. to Robertson is just... It's exactly the kind of... I know we've, we've scored a few nice goals over the last like 12 months or whatever, but that, that's the kind of goal you feel like you never see Villa score. Yes. And teams like Liverpool, it just makes it look so simple, that long diagonal ball and then two full backs involved is a very Liverpool way to score, isn't it? And just and so then from, I think the goal was five minutes in or something, but playing time-wise, I think we're about 90, something like 90 seconds, two minutes in. Mm-hmm. And you're just thinking, please don't let this be one of these days where we get blown away from the first whistle and we're never really in the game and, you know. Um, But to our credit, it wasn't at all plenty of times in the last couple of years. We'd have just absolutely rolled over and got turned over by Salah and co. Um, You were right about them getting in behind, like Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. Um, I haven't been to many games in the flesh in recent years, but it's the most, one of the most dominant sort of full-back displays on both sides i think i, that I, I thought they seeing. were fantastic yeah watching watch it on tv yeah i thought robertson getting in behind young was I, I kept noticing it first half he looked brilliant robertson was it yeah. it was like that in the stadium as well yeah it was and we were up at, we were up at trinity so we had that we had liverpool's left wing in the first half yeah again and it, it was like on his bike every anytime anybody in the liverpool back line or tiago or fabinho got the ball in the midfield robertson just itching to go Mm. Um, and it's difficult that thing, that situation because I think for a while we were trying to play a relatively high line you try to catch them offside and it worked a few times we yeah. did catch them offside a lot but you're going to let them try it 12 times in 90 minutes <laughs> they're going to get it right 3 or 4 times aren't they <laughs> so, yeah. um, but no I thought it was so spirited spirited in the first half um, should have scored like yeah, I think they're big like Watkins as a fan base, we talk about him a lot, and it's hard to be. I really, I, I really like him as a guy, and I like him as a striker. I think he, I think he brings yeah. a lot. Um, but you do have to say it is. It can get a little bit frustrating knowing that you have a striker who needs three, four yeah. decent chances to score. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought he took the goal. The off. I thought he took both the offside goal really well, and 
the onside goal really well. Yeah. Um, and then it's just if Leon Bailey's got a cleaner strike on him, then we probably score at least two in that game, don't we? Yeah, I think we saw kind of the frustrating aspects of both Watkins and Bailey uh, against Liverpool, where Watkins, you know, he had a couple of chances there. He, you know, the, the one that really struck me in the first half was a really fantastic pass from um, McGinn kind of over the top to Watkins to head it in. And I just thought, oh, like Premier League strikers, 100%, because it was on a plate, you know. All he has to do is just direct it either side of Allison, And he just, it was almost like he headed it, hoping he'd get it on target rather than just, you know, putting it in the corner, which I, I think he's more than capable of doing. And I think that was the frustrating aspect of him where he then scored the toughest chance of all in the second half, a fantastic header. and it, But it had taken too long for him to get there. And, um, you know, exactly as you say, we, I, I really like Watkins. I think he has a lot to offer. Um, and I really like him as a, as a person as well. But um, there are those frustrations where at times he's, he takes him a couple of chances to score. Or his hold at play can be very inconsistent. You know, if you're a midfielder coming from deep, if you want to whack it into a striker's feet, if you have a striker who always holds it up or most of the time holds it up, it makes a world of difference, you know. Um, and sometimes I even noticed it kind of in the sort of the weird little mini preseason we've just had during the World Cup where there would be occasions where we were working a good move forward and then in the final third, it would sort of break down because the hold-up play wasn't quite there. Not always, but on occasion. And then Leon Bailey, it was where he missed that opening chance he had, which to be fair, it was kind of, it kind of took a weird deflection and I can kind of see why he didn't really get a clean connection on it. Yeah, it probably could have done, should have done better, but at the same time, I could see why he didn't. But that he sort of felt to me then that it kind of got in his head a little bit and that his sort of final ball and final shot from then on was, his build-up to it was actually pretty good for most of the game. And I think he's actually been playing quite well recently and on a couple of occasions looked pretty electric. But yesterday, um, whilst he did a lot of good things, he also like just that final ball, that final pass, it just wasn't quite there. So it does make you then think, well, you know, ultimately is a striker what... Unai Emery will be looking at probably, if not in January, you know, in the near future. Do you think, do you think that's probably what we'll go for? I, I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if he, I'd be surprised if he doesn't at, at least by the summer. And yeah. it's difficult because like two things can be true at the same time, right? Like you can like Watkins and you can appreciate what he brings uh, to Villa's game, and you can appreciate the fact that okay, like he does. It's not the most prolific striker in terms of chance conversion, but mm-hmm. uh, it scored a de- scored a very decent number of goals for us over the uh, yeah. over the over the years he's been here. Um, but the thing is now, and this is sort of a wider reflection on the game as well, is that um, I think it's fair to say that for all Stephen for all Stephen Gerrard and his coaching staff's talk of like, remember when they came in, they were like, we're going to raise the standards off the pitch, we're going to raise yeah. the standards on the pitch, like it's serious time now as if Dean Smith had been some kind of slouch, <laughs> you know. Um, whereas now I think we're at a point where you can't argue with the fact that we are in a period now where we are looking to raise those standards. We are looking to step up as both a club and a team, if you see what yeah. I mean, as both yeah. a all-round entity and a, and a set of players on the pitch. Um, and it's just that thing of how long, you know, when you've got players, for example, like Bubakar Kamara in the team who genuinely as a Villa fan privileged to watch him play in the flesh on wow. Boxing Day yeah. fantastic like he's just class he's, he's clearly he's clearly class yeah. and when you when you start to put pieces in maybe Diego Carlos whenever it is that he comes back as well we didn't get to see very much of him but he strikes me as another one if he's if he can come back strong 
And he's the kind of player that we hoped he would be when we signed him. That would be another one who's elevating us quality-wise on the pitch. Once mm. you start to put these pieces in place, you're building nicely. But then what that does is it does make other does make other players maybe stand out for not quite being up to that level. And I think yeah. Watkins has been a great player for Villa and I hope he, would, he will continue to be a great player for Villa as well, but maybe so, more in a... I wouldn't be averse to seeing him become more of a great player in rotation for us rather than necessarily the go-to guy. Yeah. Um, and how long, when you've got a team, when you've got a coaching team like Emery and his and his staff, um, they're going to be striving for the very best. And it's it's hard to look at Villa and think, no, Villa have got we've got all that we need in the attacking department. It's, mm. it's hard. It's hard for us to feel like that as fans. So it's you've got to imagine it's pretty hard for the Emery and his staff to be feeling like that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a striker, a striker on the list. But like I said at the, at the top, it's two things can be true at once. Like you can, yeah. you can be um, thankful for what Watkins has done for Villa, and you can still want him around. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you can't say that we need some kind of upgrade because, like, if we upgrade even to a striker who scores, you know, strikers miss chances is what they do because they get in those positions. You you don't score, you know, you don't score every chance. Do you? But if we can upgrade to a striker who even scores one. In every two big chances he gets, yeah. Gotta be honest, it'd be a significant upgrade, I think, on where we're at at the moment. Yeah, it really would, and it's you know we ultimately we're pushing for Europe. We've got the coach in now where we're saying we want to be winning trophies in Europe, even you know because this is a, a guy who's won the Europa League many many times. Um, and ultimately, it does just feel like now while the system is far superior to what we had under. The previous regime and actually looks like you know we're creating things you know i think it's almost all of the goals we've scored in the last sort of 20 games have come during the like unai emery's few games in charge pretty much but uh you know I, it does just feel a bit like um one or two players who i think have been there a while now and um are you know people that we all really love and admire and we do it does just feel a bit like you there probably could be players out there who maybe are more consistent and that, you know, these players who have been, you know, the spine of the team for a few years now might be more suited to being rotational and that kind of a thing over, at some point in the near future. Um, not that I'm trying to talk anyone away or anything like that, you know, from the club, but not only were Villa playing one of the best teams in the world in Liverpool yesterday, um, which is quite easy to forget considering they almost won everything last season and yeah. have been a bit more inconsistent this year. Um, Villa were also missing two key players in the man, Emmy Martinez, who, whatever people think of his celebrations, I love the man. And uh, Jacob Ramsey, uh, who I thought was a real key miss. It felt to me like there were occasions where the ball was being held up in the box, maybe two or three times, where you're just waiting for someone to burst in from midfield and hit it in. And that's kind of his specialty, but he wasn't there. So did, did you feel like Villa missed both Martinez and Ramsey? I mean, yeah, like definitely. Yeah, It's difficult because it's very easy when you've watched a game like that one. And we've played okay, missed chances and just hasn't gone our way. It's very easy to say you plug these two players in, makes a big difference if you get a result. I'm not necessarily saying that we wouldn't have lost that game yeah. with, with with those two players in there. But you're right to, about Ramsey. Um this like this is you shouldn't equip you shouldn't equivalent like this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Like the 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 Bailey, uh, the, the the two Bailey chances, one on Bailey's left foot, one on Bailey's right foot, particularly the one on Bailey's right foot, second mm. half. I think. You think if that's yeah. Jacob Ramsey running onto that, he scores. Yeah. Top corner. He, you, he does. He puts it in that, like he does every time, sort of in step, 
right in the postage stamp top corner. He loves that finish. Yeah. And you just think, obviously, it's a dangerous game to play doing ifs and buts like that. But uh, there are also times I thought when we were sort of like trying to break from midfield and clearly really trying. And we've clearly worked on attacking patterns in, in training, which goodness knows we need after. Not sure Stephen Gerrard knows what an attacking pattern is from the way that, <laughs> was, the way that we were playing and the way that the way that he was talking. In um, when, nothingness. Yeah, whereas we've clearly worked on that stuff, you know. Um, but we just looked a bit too clumsy or a bit too hesitant with it. And you think if you've got somebody like Ramsey who's capable of spreading passes, but also capable of getting his head down and eating a player and making that surging run that you need, um, I think we've had a, we'd have had quite a lot more success trying to break out from midfield, you know, get past Fabinho and Thiago in the midfield and really get at their defence. Because again, every time Villa have played Liverpool since the 7-2, I think, mm. I thought Liverpool looks so open. Very vulnerable. you and you're running at them. They're so open. Really vulnerable. And obviously it works to their advantage going forward. But if we're more clinical and you've got players to make those bursting runs, like Buendia was trying to do it. And I'm, I'm a big, big fan of Emi Buendia. And I, I thought that he... He lost the ball quite a lot, I thought, mm-hmm. dear, during that game. But you can't begrudge him because he's one of the players who's trying to make things happen. Like, no wonder. It's similar with Bailey, I feel, a lot of the time. Like, you're naturally going to lose the ball a lot more if you're mm-hmm. the one who's trying to bring it down and beat men and create chances. It's sort of like missing chances as a striker from time to time. It comes as an occupational hazard. But I yeah. think if you put Ramsey in, um, we'd have looked a lot stronger going forward. And Mar- Martinez, I mean... Robin Olsen must be... I don't want to get too down on Robin Olsen because I don't really think that the goals yeah. particularly his fault. His yeah. distribution, I've got to be honest, I think is horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, in, in seeing it in person, I, I, like it's worse, actually, than seeing it on the TV. Um, <laughs> really bad. But I mean, you know, Robin Olsen, what he, he was just, I saw before the game, he was just named, I think, Sweden's best goalkeeper for the eighth season in a, row, year in a row yeah, yeah. there's nothing like a stat like that to make you realize that you can't name a single other swedish goalkeeper <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um so that's uh I, I do think that that's one of the like on paper he sh- probably should be one of the best backup goalkeepers in the league and like yeah. to, maybe he is because you don't how often do you see teams premier league club backup goalkeepers in action so like maybe he is but what whether or not that's true what really matters is that there is quite clearly a, 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 a tremendous step down in quality when you've got Massive. Martinez out of the team and you've got Olsen in. And it's just that, it's not even about just the distribution, it's the confidence mm. from the back, isn't it? It's like, imagine how secure you must feel as Tyrone Mings and Esri Concer, knowing that you've got Emmy Martinez behind you in goal. Yeah. And that was, I thought that was, I thought Mings led by example again, yeah. as he always does. But I did think that it was quite clear that not to cast too many aspersions, but maybe maybe Mings and Concert don't have the same level of trust and confidence in Olsen as they do in Martinez, which, to be honest, kind of understandable, isn't it? Yeah, there were a couple of occasions I thought Olsen looked uncertain, even just diving for the ball. It was like he was quite. It was like it was, you could you could. It was just sort of emanated a lack of confidence in himself. Maybe that's just from not playing enough for quite a long time. But also, like yeah, as you say, like Villa now obviously try pass it around at the back as the you know to try and progress forward. And there were a couple of occasions Mings, I think, had the option to pass it to Olsen, but you could sense if Martinez was there, he might have made that pass. But yeah. on the there'd be occasion he'd, he'd be like, Do you know what? I'm just gonna turn left and just hit it forward to Watkins, who actually to be fair, Watkins is 
layoff play was actually a lot better than it has been uh, yesterday, I thought, actually. He did win quite a bit against Matip. But yeah, it, 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 I, I felt for Olsen a little bit. I thought it was it was a tough... Yeah, it's, it's tough to follow Emmy Martinez. What have you made of his celebrations? Have you got any thoughts on it at all? It's like you said at the, at the top of this segment that um, people will make different things of his celebration and his behaviour, but like you, you you love him and love it. And it is, he's like that. I, I love I love him as well. He's one of those. <laughs> I do think he's one of those that like if he's if he's your guy, yeah. then you your heart your heart kind of beats for him, doesn't it? Really, and yeah. seeing that tattoo he's got, I think it's an awful tattoo, by the way. But who am I? I'm not a tattoo critic. <laughs> um, but that t- tattoo of the World Cup trophy, and he's got the sort of claret and blue kind of flair to it. And it's yeah. like, tell me again how he's going to leave? How he's going to leave us in January? There's people, <laughs> the media, trying to. Oh. Walk him into leaving us again. It started, isn't it? Um, Unbelievable. But it's just it's that character. I think that like I can. I've seen people on, you know, people that I'm friendly with who support other teams talking about how much they hate him. They oh, think he's yeah. uh They think he's everything that's wrong with the game in terms of his attitude towards it. And like honestly, I I feel like I might I may have the same opinion of him if he wasn't our guy. Yeah, but he is our guy, so they're a hundred percent incorrect. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it's that. There is no grey area in this situation. <laughs> um, and I just, but he, you know, I I, or I don't know how I'd react if I won the World Cup, so who am I to pa- pass judgment on how he reacted? But, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not sure it's exactly what I'd have done with the Golden, Glo- the golden Gloves no. trophy myself. I couldn't uh, believe it when I saw that line. used to tell the World Cup winning goalkeeper what to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, I mean for, for me, I just, I just love that an Aston Villa player was front and centre such a massive part of a country winning a World Cup. And, you know, no matter what happens, you know, if one day he did go off to bloody, you know, Real Madrid or someone like that, um, ultimately everything he achieved with Argentina and the Copa America and this iconic World Cup win they've just had happened when he was an Aston Villa player. So, you know, it's, it's good. I know some people might be quite cynical about saying, you know, it's good for the brand or whatever. And, yeah, I, I don't like talking like that. But it is good in the sense that it does, it does help kind of Aston Villa's, um, you know, recognition and people, you know, other players can look at that and go, all right, well, there's a great player in Emi Martinez plays for for Aston Villa. Okay. And it means it, it surely then helps us look more appealing. Um, yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting, actually, from my, my got maybe I have an interesting perspective on it because living in Canada, and hmm. I have to say, like, if you're an avid Premier League follower then obviously you you know Aston Villa you at least know the name you know some of the key players or whatever but a lot of casual still quite a lot of casual football fans mm. that I come across and I can guarantee that like this is no you know I love Dean Smith I love the squad that we had the promotion squad and the, the, the squad first season but like there are a whole lot there are going to be a whole lot of people in Canada and so many other countries like it where football is maybe not the main sport mm. who wouldn't have known a single thing about Aston Villa Football Club two years ago. Yeah. And now I, I agree. Like I, you don't want to talk about it being good for the brand because you want, if you're a football fan, you want you want to focus on the football and you don't want to sort of think in that sort of Christian Perslow-esque kind of <laughs> yeah. <commercial> way. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you kind of have to because it does help. Like you might not like the truth that it helps, but it definitely does help. Yeah. Especially when so much of this sport now is run by foreign TV money and yeah. Yeah. based on reputation that sort of stuff it does help and to, to your point about him winning the world cup and the copa america while he's a villa player like i don't think it's too much of a stretch for us to say that 
Emmy Martinez's achievement and Argentina's achievement in those are also uh, to a smaller extent, obviously, but partly Aston Villa's achievement. Yeah, because if you look where Emmy completely. Martinez was before he came to Villa, he'd never even you know never even won a cap for Argentina until I think about eighteen months ago. Yeah. Now he's a Copa America winner, Copa America Golden Glove winner, World Cup winner, World Cup Golden Glove winner, yeah. touted as one of the best goalkeepers in the world, which I do think genuinely is deserved. No goalkeeper is perfect, but yeah. I still think you can count the out and out mistakes that Emmy Martinez has made as a Villa player on one hand. Yeah, I can think um, of one, two. Yeah. I can think of the, the Man United one. That's Bruno it. That's Fernandes. the only one I can think that's of. Yeah, literally the only one I can think of. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do think it's fair to sort of look at it and say that Villa haven't necessarily completely made him into the player that he was because presumably that mentality was always there. He just wasn't getting the opportunities. But hmm. you don't, you know, you, you you don't get the opportunities until, until somebody gives you them, do you? And that's exactly. what Villa have done for him. And I can understand why he does seem to dangerous road to go down as we've learned, you know, with pinning hopes on a player loving the club enough to stay through thick and thin and becoming yeah. part of the fan base almost like that's a, a dangerous road to go down. I'm not suggesting we go down that road with Martinez, but it's easy to understand why he does genuinely seem to feel a lot of affection for the club. Yeah. And I hope it always I hope it always stays that way as well. You know, it's just um it's just great to have such a big larger than life character like that who is so divisive and all that. And yes, yeah, some things you maybe don't want to see, but at the same time, like when I see him winding up opposition fans every game yeah. and they're all booing him, it's just honestly, I'd buy an album of it. I'd buy like greatest <laughs> hits of Emmy Martinez boos. Just hearing the the ferocious uh disdain for him from like Brighton fans just you know when he pretended to catch the ball and he went out of play I loved yeah. it, it that, that did yeah. it for me All Villa No Filler on YouTube Twitter Facebook and Instagram Welcome back everybody so Tom it's Tottenham Hotspur away next up uh, how do you feel about that one? Tough obviously but I'm I, I think we're set up quite nicely to be an away side, to be honest, particularly as a team like Spurs. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're going to need to be more clinical. I don't know what's going on. It sounds like Ramsey's going to miss two or three games, I think yeah. they said. Yeah. Um, so that's a shame. I assume, I'm going to assume that Emmy Martinez is coming back in. I yeah. haven't been as tuned <laughs> so. in as I, I assume he's back and, you know, like from not being given too, too long of a celebratory break because, yeah, we don't often need him. Um, yeah. But honestly, you plug, Plug Martinez back in in goal, maybe set us up. You know, I just kind of wish that we'd have we'd be able, we were able to have Ramsey back in. So maybe push Buendia into the mm. sort of wide forward position on the other flank to Bailey, mm. and have Ramsey driving from midfield rather than having this weird. I can sort of understand the logic behind playing McGinn. Seem to almost be playing in a sort of like right midfield, right wing position yeah. for a lot of the game, watching from the stands, and I can kind of understand that. Knows Andy Robertson well maybe trying to do the defensive diligence on him, but it just, to be honest, it just didn't work, did it? Yeah, to be no. put that one in the failed, in the failed pile. I, I think it's a case of a few tweaks rather than total overhaul from that Liverpool game. And honestly, I'm more confident that Spurs away than I was before Liverpool at home, really. Yeah. I just think it's a game that maybe suits us a bit better. Obviously, never easy when you've got people like Harry Kane. Yeah. Don, but also like, Dejan you know, Kulisevsky as well. I think it's an excellent player. Like they've got a great squad, but yeah. Spurs are another one. We talked about Liverpool's openness earlier. Spurs are quite. I know they came back against Brentford, but they're clearly they clearly have a lot of fragility in mm. in their team. I think what they've 
been behind at half time, I think, in their last five league games now, something like that. Yeah. Um, clearly, it's susceptible to a strong start from a, you know, suppose maybe maybe even you know supposedly lesser opponent. I think of mm. Brentford. They played Brentford. Um, so you know, I'm sort of I'm sort of confident. And the main thing is, I saw enough from the Liverpool game to be positive. Really, I'm not going to say I've seen some people. I thought maybe overrating us slightly, saying that we were we were superb in chance creation. I didn't think, but I didn't think we were we were great. But what yeah. I did think is that we look like we have ideas now. Yes. How to create. We have how I we do have ideas about how to neutralize threats. Like I think with Liverpool, it was captain trying to catch them offside. Mm. Um, worked a few times, didn't work a few other times. But that's the value I think of. Um, I feel like I've been Stephen Gerrard bashing quite a lot so far in this <laughs> chat. But that's the value with Emery of having a coach who is an out and out coach. Yeah. <laughs> has yeah. tactical plans and ideas and yeah. you'd have thought you can benefit from one having one of those in charge um and i think the i think the signs already are clear that um a lot has been worked on in the first it's yeah. must be nearly two months now including all of the break and the games before but um we're clearly moving in the right direction i think hmm. and spurs i think in a way is a nice a nice test for us. Liverpool coming back, Liverpool at home on Boxing Day was a very, very difficult way to dive yeah. back in after being cold for seven weeks or whatever. Yeah. Having had that Liverpool game and then going to Spurs, I'm kind of I'm kind of looking forward to see seeing how we approach it and seeing how we stand up to the test, to be honest. Yeah, I do, I, agree. I, I kind of dread Spurs because we've just got a, we've got a terrible record against them in the last kind of 10, 11 years. Which is a reverse on what it was like in the nineties up to the mid two thousands, where I feel like we always used to beat them. But yeah, that that front three Kulusevski, Son, and Kane. If we play a high line, Son's going to have an absolute field day. So I doubt we'll be playing as high a line as we did against uh, Liverpool. It'd be interesting if Matty Cash comes in for Ashley Young, uh, who after his time on the bench yesterday. But uh, that that top Spurs defense is definitely get you can get at that. Like they're not. Tanganga is it and Eric Deer and I'd, I'd fancy us to get a, get a goal against them, um, but you know they are gonna they're gonna they're gonna threaten as well. Um, you know a lot of it could couldn't answer the battle in the centre of the pitch really, and I do like the partnership happening between Kamara and Louise. I think Louise is probably going to improve as a player playing alongside Kamara. Uh, Kamara can do a lot more of the defensive duties that Louise was having to do it to the detriment of Louise's more natural attacking traits, I think. Um, and hopefully that could help Louise get back into the Brazil team and uh, £70 million move to uh, Real Madrid. So, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's just how we have to think as Villa fans, isn't it? Because yeah, as soon as yeah. a Villa player does well, it's like, well, the media rumours start and there we go. So, yeah, it's like 10 times bit and 11 times shy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so hopefully we're finally moving to a period of t- uh, in Villa's history where we can move beyond that and... Keep players and a manager like Unai Emery might be the one who actually can lead us to, you know, uh, attracting players rather than always letting go of our best ones. So that's my, I think that's my hope for it. But Tom, before we wrap this up, I just have to ask you, I know you've uh, started at um, Canadian Soccer Daily. Uh, Could you just tell us a little bit about what that is and how we can find it and get involved? Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, So it's just, it's it's a fantastic time really for Canadian football. Um, Got used, got used to calling it Canadian soccer now over there because Canadian football, for those who don't know, does exist. It's like NFL, but somehow inexplicably different. The CFL, um, I think, is it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's just such an exciting time for Canadian football now. What with there's the first men's World Cup appearance in 36 years, mm. only second one ever. Co-hosting the next one, only only three. 
going to say four years' time. It's only three and a half, isn't it, really? Because of mm. the because uh, of the weird timing of this one. So, um, and there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on in between. There's the Canadian Premier League. So there's MLS. There's three franchises: Toronto FC, Mon- CF Montreal, and Vancouver Whitecaps. And then Canadian Premier League started like uh, I think four years ago, right. and it's just grown leaps and bounds. And you're now seeing Canadian Premier League graduate players moving to European clubs, getting called up for the Canadian national team. That's really grown. Um, And so obviously what that means is the conversation around it and recognition of the sport, which is traditionally it's been maybe the fifth or sixth sport in the country over, you know, over the years, honestly, it's not like that anymore. Um, There's a bit of a bit of a buzz phrase going around that Canada is a soccer country. And for, you know, as cliched as it may may sound to think like that, like, please like my sport kind of thing. It's it's true. You can see the evidence in front of your eyes. And so, you know, it's, a, it's me and a couple of sports media colleagues in Canada um, just thought now's the perfect time, really, to sort of um, shine a spotlight on not only the Canadian men, men's and women's national team, Canadian Premier League, MLS, but also on Euro, Premier League and European football, but sort of through a, through a Canadian fans lens really because honestly it's I think it's like this with a lot of countries but Premier League is just consumed in this sort of almost frenzied manner in in Canada it's everyone these days pretty much everyone you meet has a Premier League team they might only watch them sort of lukewarmly but we also have a better broadcasting sort of thing where it's an all-in-one package you get every single game um for about 100 150 dollars so what about 70 to 100 quid a year. Mm. You get every single Premier League game on one platform, which obviously makes watching the sport and interest in the sport so much easier. So we just thought we want to contribute to that conversation really in, in an authentic way. Um, and anything we can do to increase the love and you know affection for the game really is a privilege to be a part of. So we only started it four or five weeks ago. It's going really well so far and can't wait for the, what the next three and a half years have in store really before that 2026 World Cup where again everyone's going to know even more about football in Canada Well Tom it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on thank you very much for, for joining me It's always a pleasure Frankie honestly thank you very much for having me back Yeah and I look forward to, speak to chatting to you again soon I'll be back to review the Tottenham game hopefully a win <laughs> uh, but until then come on Super Aston Villa Aston Villa